Radio shows you love from the people you know. This is Sam Talks Technology. Hello, good afternoon. How are we all? Welcome again. Thank you for joining us. It's Sam's Talks Technology. Yes, my name's Sam Sethi, and today's show is going to be all about cryptocurrencies, blockchain, tokens, and the distributed web. Web 3.0, some people call it, and possibly the dark web. What the hell does all that mean? Well, to unscramble all of that technology and jargon, I'm really, really pleased to say I'm joined by two industry experts and two good friends as well. So, joining me today is Charlie Cox and Thomas Power. Charlie, hello, how are you? Hello, Sam, lovely to be here. Good. Charlie, explain who you are and what you do. Okay, um, I've been in online and, and technology for 22 years, uh, the last five of which mainly in the crypto and blockchain space. Uh, I originally started off um, growing and creating a number of cryptocurrencies in the early days, and then I moved over to what I saw as the real opportunity, which was the blockchain technology after about two years. So about three years long in the tooth in blockchain. So you've really got your hand on the, the finger of doing it rather than talking about it? Yeah, I guess so. Good. Okay. <laughs> and joining us today as well is my good friend Thomas Power. Hello, mate. How are you? Hello, Sam. I Very think well. we have to start off with happy birthday. Thank you. 55 today, oh. pension day. <laughs> yeah, don't spend it all at once. <laughs> um, Thomas, you've got a book. Tell us more about it. Yes, I wrote this book with a Bitcoin engineer called uh, Sean O in New Zealand. It's called Tokenomics, and it talks about the crypto shift to blockchains, to ICOs, and to tokens. And we wrote that the last couple of years, and we launched it in October. And is it available on Amazon? It's available on Amazon and Kindle, but unlike my dear wife Penny, we haven't narrated it because it's too many pages. It would take us too long to do it, but we keep being asked, could we put it on Audible? So we may have to get around to that. Okay, that'll be, that'll be one year of your life gone then. <laughs> True. I'll see you on your 56th birthday. <laughs> True. Um, okay, let's, let's start to break this down a little bit. What is the blockchain? What is this thing and why do we need it? Charlie? Uh, and a very simple uh, explanation would be uh, it's a mathematically secure database uh, which would then produce a ledger which uh, things are, are, are basically un un uneditable by, by anybody else. So. Okay, Thomas, anything to add to it? What would you call the blockchain? Well, I think the trouble is mathematically secure database ledger is already a lot of buzzwords Charlie you're a lot more technical yeah. than me <laughs> but I think we have to kind of use words that people might understand like a secure record or a secure list of transactions or events between two parties or two peers or two computers or two companies and supply. So, so give me an example what good application may be out there for, for using blockchain? In terms of... It, my my favourite application is from a company called Brave, Brave Software, which is a browser. Okay. Brave Browser. And this was created by a guy called Brendan Eich, E-I-C-H. X of Mozilla, Firefox and Netscape. Correct. Excellent. Good man, mm -hmm. good man. And what... When you download the Brave browser, you're effectively paid to surf 
with tokens, what they call BAT tokens, or business attention tokens. Yeah. And so Brendan is rewarding people for their contribution to the use of his browser and taking away any ads, or you can opt into various level of ads, rewarding people with tokens. And he raised money for this idea using his BAT token. I think he raised about 30 or $35 million. He hired a team of engineers. He's built a very nice product. And he's created an alternative to Internet Explorer, to Chrome, to Mozilla, where you're paid to participate and contribute to the network. And to me, that's the first example where you're paid for your attention. Okay, but and about how... four million people are using that. that. That's the first example I've really seen of a blockchain application. So why why, why is it a blockchain application? So, so it's a browser. I get that part. I get the part that every time I go to a website, which is where I uh, give my attention. So if I scroll down the page or I click on something or I complete an action that's required, like fill a form, I've given you my attention. How is that then linked to a blockchain, which is a database? So as you click through, when Charlie talked about a mathematically secure database, it is accurate definition. As you click round through this browser with Brave, it records everything that you're clicking through to. It's making a record of all of those and sticking those records on a blockchain to keep them secure. And on a blockchain mean, as Charlie said earlier, you can't uh, edit it, you can't adjust it, unlike a database which you can. So that's it's called non-repudiation? Yes, correct. Okay. So, okay, so we've got blockchains. I mean, for me, some of the best examples could be um, a database, a blockchain, that I can have legal property on, so selling and buying a house. It's a yes. transaction that is non-repudiated. It doesn't change. I either buy the house or I don't buy the house, and there's a record of it that can never be changed. Uh, buying or selling a car would be another example. So, okay, the blockchain, great. I understand from reading a little bit that I know um, that it's distributed. What does that mean, Charlie? Um, you probably heard of peer-to-peer -peer technology, so... Um, like Napster, the music like Napster, sharing. Okay. Exactly, and people download films using torrents and things like that. Yeah. Um, Naughties. Naughty people do. Naughties. But what that essentially that is, is everybody is joining a network, sharing a little redundant space of their hard drive, um, and people can, can, can basically plug into that and, and, and download little bits of information or little bits of data. So the, the blockchain network essentially will be a, a very similar model. Okay. Using the power of, of, of interconnections. I think it's hard for people to understand, Sam, what a distributed database is, yeah. as opposed to a central database, a cabinet in the house where you put paperwork. The idea of bits of data spread across many computers worldwide, checking one another, I think is quite hard to understand, but we glibly say peer-to-peer. Well, I think, I mean... It's hard to get that. For the older members of us, and there are a few in the audience, um, you know, we all remember downloading music illegally through Napster. Thank you, Sean Fanning. And using that was a peer-to-peer -peer system, a distributed database. So I could upload some of my music, you'd upload yours, Charlie, you'd upload yours. But I'd get a central view of that data, and then I could download. But where I was downloading it, could be partly from Charlie, partly from you. 
So that's a hard concept to understand. No, but I, I think a lot of people, maybe of an older generation like um, our age group, used Napster. So we would understand that if you if you've never used that and all you know is iTunes and Spotify, that's a client server central server download model. But okay, so it's a distributed database. Now, how many? Um, people invented this thing who invented the blockchain well that's a great question um, I think well there's a mnemonic there's a Satoshi Nakamoto mnemonic which arguably is a person or most people think it's a team yeah. a small team people think it's somewhere between 6 and 12 there are various names banded about who are participants in that team some of which have now died how do and we know this I think it's internet folklore. Right, okay. It's it's almost like a like a story. It's it's an idea that people banded together to create in a libertarian way an alternative to money. Okay. Now Charlie, you said to me earlier that you think you've met two of possibly that yeah. team. Yeah, I have almost definitely met them. Uh, possibly more because uh, there, there there are certain members that uh, you suspect, but you, you, they haven't actually. And you've up. also said you've met people who tell you they're part of it. And I've met people that told me that they they were Satoshi Nakamoto. But if you say their name, Charlie, we'll have to kill you. Is that right? <laughs> Something like that. But uh, I know I know for for a fact that some people have told me they are are simply not, and they're they're trying to blind you with science, um, and they're trying to, to to put themselves on a pedestal. But the ones how big a team do you think it it, it is or I've was? I've heard rumour that it was four people. Um, the four main people, Satoshi and three people then took it over. And then beyond that, I know, I know people that are the core developers that are public about their core developers on, on, the, on the Bitcoin protocol. Right. Um, and you could look them up. So they're, they're, they're perfectly in, in the public domain. So these three people that then were the main, the main instigators of it, um, two of them were meant to have been based in Tufnell Park in, in, in London for, for a while, living in a squat. So a lot of it was from the libertarian, more slightly anarchic side of, of, of the crypto community. Um, and they're actually the people that carried on and became the core developers, are, are, are again, from the more libertarian side. Um, the Bitcoin Foundation tried to sort of bring a bit more credence, a bit more business savvy and, and experience to that. So the people in Bitcoin Foundation are, are probably a slightly different animal, if you like, than, than the developers. Um, but as far as you know, there was there was people um, that used to literally go around London at the early Bitcoin meetups handing out bitcoins. So so, so let's yeah, let, yeah. We, we've moved on from blockchain. So we've mentioned this thing called the Bitcoin. Now I'm sure well, that's the first blockchain. Yeah, At was, least I think I believe that's well, the, that, first that the first blockchain. Well, that's the first blockchain application. It's not the blockchain. I think it's an application on the blockchain. Yeah, but, but they refer to it as the Bitcoin yeah. blockchain. Oh yeah, I, I get that. But I think it's more an application. When they say it's the first, it, they, it was actually the foundation, if you like. Okay. And, and people used to say with the Bitcoin blockchain um, that we're going to plug software into it and we're going to store people's records on it and this and that. And actually, uh, another uh, blockchain uh, startup, you could call it, called Ethereum uh, by Vitalik. Um, he has actually designed it in a much better way for it, embedding uh, data, embedding software and stuff like that. So actually they, people quite quickly moved away from seeing the Bitcoin blockchain as this method of storing all things blockchain. Okay. And now there's many more blockchains. Obviously. So let's take one so, step back. Go on, Charles. Are you, Sam, are you saying that you perceive that Bitcoin is kind of like a money app? 
sitting on the blockchain. A blockchain. Yes. Okay. So you will get other apps on the blockchain that will be for other things. They just won't be called Bitcoin. They'll be called something else. And and the underlying technology is the blockchain, but the application and the use. You wouldn't have a blockchain in itself. You wouldn't have a SQL server of itself or a, an Oracle database for itself. You would have an application that rests on top of the data set. And in my humble opinion, but you're the experts, the Bitcoin is one application of many to come that enable currency to be distributed and traded and, uh, you know, in all the reasons we gave for the blockchain just a minute ago, non-repudiated. So if I say I gave you a Bitcoin, it's not disputable. I gave you it, it's ledgered, it's entered, and it's distributed to everyone in the ledger. We all saw it. So that's why I think it's an application of the blockchain rather than a fundamental building block itself. So if you compare it with your Napster example with distributed music, yeah. songs distributed across many computers, do you consider the Bitcoin is distributed money? Yes, and in, in just in the way it was distributed music. But the underlying technology was the peer-to-peer -peer communication system. So it's peer-to-peer -peer <clears throat> money. Yeah, I think it is. So let's just take one step before we move forward. How many Bitcoins are there out there in the world? What is it? About 19 million at the moment. Yeah, the, the total available has been disputed quite a few times between 21 million and 24 million. Right. And apparently there's 4 million that are lost, yeah, where they've lost the keys. Okay. So I don't actually know where expensive keys 19, to lose. Yeah, very expensive. People have been digging them up in, uh, in dumps. There's, there's somewhere between 19, 21 and 24 million. The number published, I understand, is about 17 million. Okay. So we've got three or four million to be published, but they won't all be published or uh, mined or printed yeah. until, is it 2140 20, or something? Yeah, something like that. Because there, there's, there's the, the, the Bitcoin uh, reward uh, halves uh, every, every, every two years. It changes each time it halves. But, uh, yeah, the so, hash rate, you've got to explain okay, that. Let's, let's step back. We, we, to yeah. So, okay, let's, let's go with this first. There are a finite number of Bitcoins. Yes, uh, I believe the number is 21 it's million. 21, it is 21 million. But it is disputed. Okay, so on the basis that there is a finite number and about 17 million are currently in tradable yeah. use. Yes, that haven't been lost. Yeah, that haven't been lost. There, there is a terminology called data mining, which completely baffles a lot of people because data mining sounds like someone with a little pickaxe going off to somewhere to find coins, which is not true. So It's kind of true. Well, so I, I, was, I would like to understand how do you mine or how do you get... So fundamentally what data mining is, is I'm going to unleash the next set of available Bitcoins, okay? But how do you do it? Charlie? Okay. Um, so actual mining is um, you using your computer, or, or now there are, are standalone computers specifically designed uh, for Bitcoin mining, which are essentially giant graphics cards, so giant, very powerful chips, just for doing one thing, and that is literally doing mathematical equations. And, and they, it was discovered quite quickly that a specific brand of, of, of graphics card was the best uh, machine to be doing that. Okay. Um, they took it a step further and they've redesigned those chips on the graphics card so it just 
does algorithm uh, mathematics. So it's just purely looking for those um, solutions. So uh, mining is fundamentally uh, solving, solving a puzzle, solving, solving a puzzle, an equation that Sakamoto um, put earlier forward. So mathematically, and when yes. you solve it, you get rewarded with a bitcoin. Yes. Okay. And, and it I, gets harder <coughs> over time. As the Why? network grows, as, as more and more people are trying to mine it, and obviously Bitcoin is, is a scarcity, it's like, like gold, it's a, there's only a certain amount yep. in the world, and there's only a certain amount available each, uh, each time you mine, it will release, is it 25 Bitcoin or is it 12 and a half Bitcoin at the moment? It depends. Well, it depends where you are, but twenty-five. It's at twenty-five moment. at the moment. It, 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 all, it becomes more and more scarce. The whole point is, it becomes more and more difficult to mine as the network grows. If the network was to shrink, the difficulty, in theory, could go and become easier, um, because they want people to have some competition. They want people to be interested. So it's amazing how he so, d- how he's he, a mathematical treasure she, hunt. Yeah, uh, he or she, because it could be a she. We don't know. Could it be a she? Um, From my experience, yeah. it's, it's generally it's, speaking, it's, it's all men. Men, but <laughs> you never be. know. Never know. Quite I quite mean, the original founders, or you're seeing the, the, the Satoshi you Nakamoto. Some, it could, yeah, could I, be I, well, I just it's don't a know team who of men. I don't know any women in that <clears> team. <throat> okay, so they, the men, then clearly were mathematically geniuses. Oh, yeah. To come up with it, generally savants, uh, you know, right? They can, they can, they can have two hundred thousand lines of code in their head, uh, work it in the head. If it, if it works in the head, then they start putting it down. On Blimey, the, on I get about four I've lines met, I've of met code. Several <laughs> of them, and it always blows my mind. Wow! Know, so and remember, it came after the collapse of Northern Rock, yeah. and then Lehman's, and then RBS, and those the collapse of those three banks. I think, were the motive or the incentive to create an alternative form of money. Okay. And when the team got together, I think that was driving, can we, I know it's considered to be a libertarian movement of no government, no banks, no anything. I'm not a libertarian fan personally. But they had motive to create it because of a failed system, primarily from RBS and Lehman Brothers and Northern Rock. You may remember that begun in August 2007. And a lot of people think this was the 2008 crisis. Northern Rock went down in 2007 in yeah. August. So I like people to get their dates right. Yeah, it's often quoted to them. So um, it's seen as the it was seen as an antidote for that. You know, to, to, to for people to antidote democ- is good. Yeah, to democratize people's money. You know, that, that was what they were trying to do. Uh, not just and they the have achieved it. Yeah. Not just for the liberty. Well, okay, let's let's talk about that. So, as an outsider observing, I've never bought. Boy- bought bitcoin um we we hear some fun stories about somebody in the early days buying bitcoin and paying their pizza with it yes and that turns out to be the million dollar pizza now in yes. terms of probably quite a lot more than that <laughs> yeah um so i bet they're kicking themselves 10, $10, now thousand dollar a ten thousand bitcoin pizza it was so. and you were saying there was a guy called johnny bitcoin he was yeah. handing out bitcoins who's he very early on so five or six when i first got into it, it was about five years ago so six years ago uh, at the early meetups and, and events in London, there was a guy who I think was friends, let's say, with uh, the, the people that uh, created Bitcoin. And he used to go around giving them away uh, by means of the sort of network effect, getting people involved, uh, technologists, people turning up to these meetups. So it's quite possible that 40 or 50 of my network got their first Bitcoin given to them by Johnny Bitcoin. And obviously, as it went Thanks up. for the invite. <laughs> As it went up, people <laughs> loved him more and more. I would have Is loved Johnny him. Bitcoin a real person? Johnny Bitcoin, yeah, yeah. Do you know who he is? 
I bet him a few times. I'm not, I'm not great friends with him, but quite a few of my friends were great friends with him, obviously, because they gave him a Bitcoin. Yes. <laughs> so, OK, so... But some value has been created, because over 10 years since it was launched in uh, late 2009... Yeah. It now has a value. Its, val its value has gone from one cent to $20,000, but it's settled... But it's not that now. At three and a half thousand dollars, I think it's like thirty four hundred, thirty six hundred dollars, about three thousand pounds. So it went up to twenty thousand and then came down. Yeah. Yes, it, that was that but, was a that was a bit of a bubble. That was a real bubble, the Hubble bubble. Yeah. Um, um, but it, as a as a store of value over ten times, it has been good for the original creators. Um, good. Okay. Well, look, um, we're going to take a little musical interlude and we're going to play a little song now um, sadly uh, last week Thomas your mother died yes she did and um, this song that we're going to play really is for her yes it um, is. for Irene is Power Leach so what we're going to do what's the song called it's the first time I saw your face Roberta Flack and it's uh, she said it was what um, she thought of when she had her babies very moving. We're going to take a quick break because Steve's joined us, haven't you, Steve? So um, when we come back, we'll get back to talking about Bitcoin and the distributed web. Over to you, Roberta. Oh, you got...
go, a little bit of Roberta Flack, and uh, that's for Thomas's mother. Rest in peace, Mrs. Power. So, um, where were we? We were talking about blockchain and cryptocurrencies, and we've been joined by Steve. Hello, Steve, how are you? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yes, uh, well, I'm good. I, I hear you've been the subject of the wonderful ro- road system that we have I in this country. Indeed, roadworks on the... Uh, <coughs> Not not the outer ring, but the inner the inner car park of the uh, London circular system. Cool. Um, right. So uh, I was saying before before we played that musical interlude, um, what is the use of the Bitcoin? Where have we got with it? And um, it, I wanted to understand why the price had gone from very low numbers to up to twenty thousand dollars a Bitcoin, and then crashed to three thousand. You'd like to explain what happened there then? I think initially it was a very gradual process. I mean, it went from two cents to four cents to the end of the year, maybe, I don't know, a couple of dollars. And then the end of the next year, maybe 25, 30 dollars. And then, yeah, last, the end of last year, so not 2008, 2017, it went up on a dramatic, uh, probably about three months, was it? it went dramatically uh, from, from $7,000 to, to, to $20,000. Um, at the time, we mainly put that down to institutional investment, to be honest. There was a, there was a huge amount of institutional investment. I think there was... Uh, was that just them getting excited and riding a wave and it was the new dot-com? Or, um, I what think, was it? I think there was a lot of VCs that were starting to get involved at the beginning of 2017 and that just snowballed. Okay. Um, InsureTech also came on... on, on Who are on, they? InsureTech, just in, insurance technology. Uh, like okay. FinTech. Right. Like FinTech. But in, okay. um, they picked up at, at the beginning of 2017. So that, again, bred quite a lot of confidence in the markets um, and a lot more VCs started to, to prick their ears up. Um, before that, it was... I think also people, in Chicago you were allowed to buy a future on a Bitcoin. Yeah. And that's, was that on a market? Yeah, that was on the Chicago market. And was that, that the first one that did that? Yeah, and that was late... That was late 17. So it, it jumped from, like, 3,000 to 7 to 10 to 12 to 15 in about 90 days. So tell me... you and were that was pure hype. I, I think there was some institutional money, but I do think there was a lot of people, sadly, taking yeah, out loans burnt, and mortgages to buy tokens to buy bitcoins and you weren't one of them hopefully <laughs> no not at that point no, but do you do, years ago. seriously of the three of you do you own bitcoin any of you no yeah. who, who's that sorry yeah thomas you own and ethereum yeah. and ethereum charlie um i did own a lot more before the crypto winter at the end of last year but yeah okay the crypto <laughs> winter. well I, I, think I do because i'm i actually i i was an investor in a in a company which then did a then did an ico and uh i i have what are called mainframe tokens, which are in theory linked to, I yeah. think they're Ethereum. They're like master tokens. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I think we've all got some of those. Too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on to what an ICO in is a minute. So, um, one of the more, more famous owners of Bitcoin are the Winklevoss brothers, famous for suing Mark Zuckerberg yeah. for saying that they invented um, Facebook and social media. Um, Clearly, he paid them out sufficiently for them to go and buy lots and lots of Bitcoin. Um, $650 million. <coughs> well, there you go. It's not worth that now, is it? Please tell me. 
Oh, no, no, that's what that's he paid what them. Got. Oh, okay. Their share would have been worth uh, 100 times that. Wow. So he got himself a bargain. Okay. So let's say you want to buy Bitcoin. How do you go about buying Bitcoin? Oh, well, it's got, it's got a lot easier than when I first got into it. Um, I believe, is it Coinbase? I've just started to taking uh, yes. debit and credit cards. So you can literally just go on to, to some of the big... Um, they're both exchanges, and they're sort of some of them are, are almost like Bitcoin banks, if you like. So you trade real the retail banks, essentially. Um, you can use a real credit card either at Binance or at uh, Coinbase. You can use a debit card or yeah. a credit card. But you, you couldn't do that one. in the beginning. How no. did you do it in the beginning? How well, did was, anyone get an early? It was a fumble. Um, you want to go ahead? Well, you, you mined bitcoins. You mined bitcoins. Uh, there's local local bitcoins has always been around, which is people that miners. Um, or possibly other marketplaces um, that need to exit their bitcoins, um, or they're or they're almost like day traders on on these markets. So they will buy low and sell high all day long, um, and that's where I generally used to get them. And it, with each person on that marketplace, you had to go through some kind of security. You often had to do ridiculous things like take a picture with your um, bank statement and a, and a driving license, and you all in the same picture for them to be able to trust you, and, right. and a piece of paper saying I'm buying ten thousand pounds worth of bitcoin off. Off Joe Blogs, okay. Um, that was their only real security, and that's so, actually quite a good system. That level of well, it's still going <laughs> with a newspaper or a bank yeah, account, yeah. a date. A it proves it's you. It's been it? used a lot in movies, then. Okay, <laughs> so so now you've got your Bitcoin. Where do you store your bitcoins? Generally, well, yeah, you download a wallet. Yeah. Okay, from a different supplier. There are, are there famous recommended wallets? Or oh, was what it? would be the most famous wallet? Would you say? I think Jax is pretty big at the moment. Isn't it? That's JAX. That's J-A- probably JAXX. I think. Where have you got yours? But Steve? I think that's been hacked. Actually. I don't. I just have mine still. <laughs> ma- the, the the company still. That I I've been allocated them, but they still own them. Right. A lot of trust and, and, there. Until I exactly until I want to uh, convert them into something else. Okay. And where do you two store your Bitcoin? My son stores them on a hard wallet made by Ledger. I think they're called Ledger. Ledger. Is it Ledger IR? You better find out fast. (laughs) Well, it's like a USB drive. I've worked on the assumption that he stores all our tokens, all our coins, on the basis that he's twenty-four and I'm fifty-five. So he's he's got more need of them than I have. Yeah, that's his inheritance. Yeah, digital, (laughs) digital pension. (laughs) There you go, son. Um, Just going on holiday, Dad. Bye. Now, (laughs) one of the things I mean, again, reading around the internet, um, a lot of people put them bitcoins into digital wallets and now forgotten their passwords yes that's happened many times in fact i think checking these numbers i think as many as four million bitcoins are lost of those 21 million what would that be worth it twenty thousand four million wow four million times three and a half three thousand so it would be what uh, is that twelve billion or one point two billion? I think it's. Well, it would be one point two billion. Money. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. Is it one point two or one point? It's anyway, a big we'll, number. we'll work that out in the next break. Right. So a lot of money has been stolen, has been lost. Um, so is and it recently um, a gentleman who owned a company in Canada who had a heart attack and died in his early 30s, that instant heart attack, you know, when you suddenly have a cardiac arrest and die. He's gone to his... So if I, you hear radio silence, that's me gone then, is it? Yes. <laughs> uh, he, he died, I think it was in November, and he had 
his organization have 190 million dollars worth of tokens bitcoin ethereum and they can't get into it and they can't access them because he was the only person with his pass with the passwords the keys have they tried password uh, he didn't give it to his wife uh, any of his team any of his engineers so this is now going to become a precedent ruling because we now look like we need to store these things in a bank, well, in a vault. Okay, so and so people have it. access to <laughs> their store of value. So isn't it ironic that that his loss, sad loss, is going to create an event where we might return to a traditional world of decentralized system? <laughs> so okay, so we mentioned briefly there are more than one cryptocurrency what are some of the other cryptocurrencies out there steve uh, um i, I, I probably it, charlie's the best one for this <laughs> okay one, charlie I'm, I'm over to you then um my favorite one is ethereum ethereum okay ethereum we mentioned that most stable at the moment yeah I, I think that is the most stable that's created by a canadian russian or russian canadian you mentioned him earlier charlie vitalik buterin easy for you to say and his father B-U-T-E-R-I-N, Vitalik Buterin. I think that was in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a he wrote his idea, his white paper in 2014. He published it in 2015, and it went uh, similar to Bitcoin. I think it was listed at uh, 15 cents originally yeah. when it was launched, and that went up to 1,500 dollars um, during that peak when they all rose uh, with the Bitcoin index. But it's settled down at about 100 to 150 dollars now. But I, I think to me, it's climbed it, last couple of weeks, isn't it? Yeah, to me, it's what the power of Ethereum and what Vitalik has done, although it's not fast, is that he's created the opportunity for ICOs to occur. And the killer app is the initial coin offering, like an IPO, but a token version. Okay, so let's break that back down. I've got two questions before we get to what an ICO oh, okay, is. Okay, sorry. so first of all, my, in my head, I'm going, okay, so we've got at least two current cryptocurrencies. Why do we need two currencies? What was wrong with just Bitcoin on its own? It's more like 1,500 active currencies. Okay, yeah, excellent. So why do we <laughs> need... way more than 1,500. So active, active, oh, active. active. Oh, fair enough, yeah. yeah. So why do we need more than one cryptocurrency? Sam, so this is a lot like dot-com. If you go back to the mid-1990s, how many dot-coms were there? And how many remain? I think some have a right to exist. Um, uh, there was, uh, I mean, Litecoin came out early on before Ethereum, and that was uh, kind of a slimmed down version of, of Bitcoin. It was faster. Um, they said it was more secure, but I mean, it swings and roundabouts. Um, but so they, they had a reason to exist. And I think there's a couple of other, like Primecoin, when Primecoin first came out, it was a, it's working on prime numbers instead of a, so the, the, the mathematical equation was to find higher and higher prime, prime numbers. And they were finding prime numbers that didn't exist before and were providing them to the science community. And that was their, their, their data swap, if you like. So that, that was their, their reason to exist. Um, as things, I, I was involved early on with a, with a coin called Carbon Coin. So it was actually the same kind of powerful network as Bitcoin. In fact, it could do more transactions per second than Bitcoin. But it was uh, mined, if you like, uh, on four, it could be mined on four mobile phones around the world because it's, it's, it's um, computing power needed had been slimmed down and slimmed down and slimmed down. The algorithm had been slimmed down um, to the point that it didn't really have a carbon footprint. So we couldn't have a cryptocurrency that had the same kind of computational footprint uh, as Bitcoin. Um, And it was literally, you 
use the currency and you plant trees. So if you wanted to offset your carbon from buying a car or a new pair of Converse or whatever, if you bought it in carbon coin, it would offset any carbon that was used from the creation of the car and, and potentially ongoing as well because you're planting trees. The trees grow for 100 years in the best sort of researched <coughs> carbon sink. So that kind of had a reason to exist beyond Bitcoin, which is why I liked it. Um, and so there is a number of them that are, but there's also a number of them that were created by 17-year-olds in their parents' basement as a quick cash can, a pizza coin, cola coin. There's millions of crappy coins came out earlier on. So it, Most of those are based on Ethereum, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But is it a popularity contest, then? The winner is the most popular eventually. Is that what we do? The biggest network, yeah. Because obviously with the dot-com, what we saw is that was fundamentally a pop- popularity contest. The Amazon won the e-commerce won race yeah, and yeah. Google won the search race and Facebook's won the social media race because well, they were so multi Facebook would say they've won the internet race <laughs> they, 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 yeah they I think they might to, be to not Facebook. saying that so much now though well <laughs> Google won the internet race popularity is an interesting word because if you look at Amazon they were the first to IPO they were the first to list yeah. in May 97 1997 and I think with the with the token raises the ICO raises the popularity is the amount of capital raised early has set them ahead in a marathon. Okay, so let's... And they're not necessarily the best teams or the best players, but they're away in the race first. That doesn't mean to say they will win because we had Alta Vista and Lycos and Excite and all these things, Dogpile. Yep, remember them I remember. <laughs> but somehow Google managed to beat all of them. So let, let, let's just unstrip something very quickly. You mentioned this word twice now, ICO. What is an ICO? Okay, so an ICO is an initial coin offering. Right. So it's very similar to the idea in the public markets of an initial public offering, which means raising capital to buy your shares, or in this case tokens, to support that idea or the team of people who are developing that idea. So I've got company X and I want to raise some money and I can issue an ICO, and you will give me money in exchange for tokens in my company. What's the difference between a token and a equity share in my company? Well, the interesting thing, with an equity, you have a right to vote. With a token, you don't. Okay, that's one difference. Okay. Uh, I, to me, that is the major difference. You're... you're buying into the idea but you're not buying into the shareholding of that idea okay and and that is that is significantly different because you're investing almost like a community member of the idea whereas when you're advancing capital as a shareholder you're really looking for a return on the capital uh, like a dividend but I think people who are buying tokens in ideas are, are not necessarily looking for a yield or a dividend. They're wanting to believe in that team, that idea, that community, that play. And I think that is, philosophically, I think it's different. Okay. So the ICO also, um, or sorry, the token also has a liquidity capability because it can be exchanged? Yes. So similar to a share... In the stock market, you go onto a, an exchange and you buy and sell a share. That might be any public market in London or New York. You go onto an exchange like a Binance, like a Coinbase, go to an exchange and you buy and sell that share, provided there's some demand for that share. Obviously, there's much less liquidity in token sales than there is in publicly listed companies. But it's created an opportunity for... Uh, individuals, ma- mainly software engineers, uh, 
and marketing people wrapping those software engineers to get their community to fund their idea. Okay. And that's a big shift. That's different to people investing venture capital or private equity in a team because they want to give a dividend to a client or an investor. So it's it's much more investing in ideas than in um, uh, capital returns. So it's democratisation of investment. So we're not... Are we? Is it? Is it? Is it? That seems generous. I think it's VCs a I think it's a competitor to uh, VCs and angels. That said, VCs and angels can buy into those token offerings, so it's right. not restricted from them. It's quite, okay. it's quite similar to the crowdfunding model. If you, if you look yeah, at yeah. Okay. In many respects, it's comparable to somebody that doesn't really know about. So an ICO, initial coin offering, a great way to raise money. Can be. Can be. It, it, it can be a huge hype as well. And there's, oh, yeah. I mean, lots of people jumped on the bandwagon. There's no two ways. And, and, you know, some people, are, I think, well, I can't remember which company it was that raised a billion dollars with on a white paper. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, it, you know, it, whether that ever, I don't think it's ever gone anywhere, but they, in theory, on paper, were worth a, a billion dollars. Than the, they, pill, the pillar project. I think so, yeah. yeah. And they're they, doing things, but... So, and I've heard a lot of... Um, Scams, frauds were done with ICOs. Is that what, in, what yeah, we're saying? I yes, I would say as many as uh, three quarters or eighty percent of them could something have been like, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Could have been fraudulent. Could have been scams. So that's going to be retrospectively investigated, I think, over time, either by the SEC or the FCA. It's going to take a long time to unravel those to see whether any of those were criminal. Yeah, because Floyd Mayweather, the boxer, was involved in what might be allegedly a scam. I better say all of those words might be an allegedly, in case the lawyers are listening, <laughs> Mr Mayweather. Um, yes. But yes, I'm surprised Fire didn't do an ICO. Yeah, exactly. Who's Fire? Fire. <laughs> oh, the, you mean the show on Netflix? Yeah. Oh, no, no, Fire, the, it was oh, a, a, genuine, a genuine festival yeah, that yeah. they... Um, kind of failed on. <laughs> the, well, they didn't really. Um, they raised a huge amount of money, and the guy that founded it um, went to lots of investors and based it on on a lot of very pretty models on a frolicking on a, on a beach, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't taken in the place that they were going to do it. And then uh, it's on Pablo Escobar's island. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they. Uh, <laughs> you can watch it on Netflix. It is on Netflix. F Y R E fire. The, the guy's in prison now. So yeah. Well, he, the fees in prison. He's, he's not in prison for well a year for the festival, but he's in prison because he literally lied to the investors yeah. and it wasn't nothing to do with the, the people. thousands of people that bought tickets <laughs> yeah. it was literally because he invi- lied to investors and it broke sec regulations oh wow okay so there are a number of investigations sam both in america and in europe and now across the world where people of uh, token holders token buyers because it's very similar to buying an equity consider they've been misled and it, it's fraudulent but there's prosecutions going on but they're there's only been fines so far. There haven't been people sent to jail yet. So isn't it more a case of buyer beware with ICOs? Very they, much so. If there's you no look regulation at the, around yeah. them. Yes, I mean, if you look at all of the stuff on the FCA website and the SEC website, it's, it's very much be alert. You, know, you, you can lose more than 100% of what you invest. Okay. There's a lot of scams, but it's a very attractive model for a real company, you know, to not be too pigeonholed by the money. They've got more freedom. Um, they're creating an instant network of people that want their business to succeed desperately, so they'll be on all different types of uh, social platforms and things like that, plugging your business for you. So essentially you're getting a lot of free marketing, a bit like a crowdfunding. Right, uh, so it's high net worths who can afford it, who invest in it. But it was obviously very quickly, all the people that created hundreds of dodgy 
dodgy cryptocurrencies thought, hmm, this is a new way of making a quick buck. So they've now created all these amazing sounding businesses with no backup. You know, they haven't, right. they haven't really got any of that technology. They maybe they don't even have the, the brain power behind it to bring it to fruition. They've raised a whole load of money and they think, oh, yeah, we'll do it once you raise the money. Oh, actually, no, maybe we'll just keep the money and run away. So, <laughs> yeah, it hasn't been aimed at high net worth individuals. No, it's no. been aimed at ordinary people who believe in a team or the idea that team has put together where they can buy $1 or $100 yeah. or $200 worth of that idea. And they're just believing in that team and that idea. And that's very different to investing money for your pension, mm. where you want your 3% return for mm. the next 30 years so you can retire at 65, 67. Hey, 55 even, 55. Thomas. I wish. Steve, I wish. it's Thomas's birthday today, in case know, you didn't yeah. know. Happy birthday. <laughs> birthday. We will keep mentioning it, Thomas. Don't Can't worry. retire yet, I'm afraid. <clears throat> um, okay, so at the beginning of this year, or early at the end of last year, sorry, late at the end of last year, they came out with something called an STO. What's an STO? It's a securities, uh, securities token, essentially. Yes. In so what's that? What's different to that and an ICO, then? I think the difference is the, is the token has been, uh, what would be the right word, um, validated, tested, um, assessed. I'm trying to think of the right word for a thorough well, due diligence test. More safeguards in place. They're really designed to protect the investor. Really designed to help the investor. Uh, verify it's very similar to verification of an IPO but the security token offering the STO is the standard the FCA would like yeah. all tokens to be listed in the UK really beginning this year um, the first of which I understand is token market which is an exchange which is the first exchange that's attempting to list across Europe okay but as a secure isn't token. this an anathema so we, we, we've gone from a distributed money that was created to go against the banking system to be alternative to it to be you know, yada 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 you know not part of the central controlled <laughs> banking system and yet here we are we've ended up with STOs which is fundamentally a verified backed central banking system that gives it the security that you want because if it all goes wrong, you've got something behind it that makes money. So it's the same as saying, I promise you the bearer of this coin to give you the value of one pound, which is because the Central Bank of England will allow you to do that. So we've just gone full circle and made central banks now the controllers of STOs. In many ways, we have, Sammy, right. Yeah, it's been a 10-year journey from a libertarian, let's eliminate all government and all banks world, to banks thinking, oh, <laughs> here's a new asset class. People want to invest in this new idea. Let's turn this into another business, another derivative, another investment plan. And it is real. Whether they're, uh, Charlie mentioned there's 1,500 active tokens. There's 1,500 new co's that have been born. Yeah. M my sense is 99% of those won't make it, like I saw with uh, .com. Yeah. So only 1% of these token co's, crypto co's, new co's, whatever label you wish to give them, are going to make it. But people still want to invest in their ideas, and now they can. And it's kind of like a centralised, legitimised token offering, at least in the UK. And people respect the FCA as they do the SEC. But the SEC in, in the US haven't given the nod to let them go yet. I think they're still waiting 
for a higher level of due diligence before they let the market explode because there's still a lot of companies who want to raise money this way because they're getting their customers or their users to invest in their ideas. And that's different to going to a high net worth individual or a venture capitalist or a private equity company to back an organisation. It's a different model to get customers to fund, as Charlie said, like crowdfunding at Crowdcube or Cedars. It's it's almost like a digital version of that or a, an internet internet crowdfunding or digital crowdfunding. And people do like to back ideas, like we saw with Caterham Cars when they failed down in Surrey. A lot of uh, their fans came to their rescue, and I think when they put that crowd uh, fund together, I think they raised uh, £2.5 million in a matter of two weeks because people liked the idea, and they were the enthusiasts who believed in Caterham Cars. And so you have a lot of teams like that where the community believes in the team and the idea, which is very different to buying a share in a Vodafone or a BT. That supply infrastructure to support uh, uh, devices. Okay. I'm going to ask you now to, around the Bitcoin, crystal ball a little bit for me. Where do you think cryptocurrency and Bitcoin is going to be in five years from now? I think the actual... A token will be around. I don't. I, I think a lot of the currencies will either implode or explode, um, or be I, integrated, or be integrated. I think. I think one of the main integrated with what? Sorry. Oh, I think in, in, with different layers. I mean, it was a bit like uh, when we looked at something like PayPal years ago, and when, when it first came out. The layers now that have been built on top of that, with uh, with eBay and and, and all, all the other things to make it second nature to use it. I think. Bitcoin wallets and things like that will be integrated in PayPal within I mean, five years. You, you I think in, in tandem, the Tandem Bank already support Bitcoin as a as a method of payment, and you yeah. can it's part of the Tandem Bank now. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Tandem, um, but they are. You know, if you want Bitcoins paid in or out of Tandem, it's just part of the service. Yeah. You don't have to do anything special. So I, I, I just a uh, quick. Google search which says stop taking Bitcoin was my search entry and it comes up with travel agent uh, Expedia has quietly removed it it's got uh, Reddit has removed it Microsoft has stopped accepting Bitcoin Miami Bitcoin stopped taking conference Stripe will stop accepting Bitcoin in April this year Steam stops accepting payments in Bitcoin do, do so th- do you think that's mainly because they're creating their own uh, relationships with other, with other you're companies. the expert you tell no, me I think that's more likely. <laughs> or, or they're trying to develop something in-house so they're not reliant on, on the Bitcoin network. A bit or like is it because it's so unstable that they can't really do anything yes, with it if, yet? They, if, they've got a, if they've got their own in-house stable coin or, or, or dollar-backed uh, cryptocurrencies that they can move in and out of, uh, of other currencies instantly, then they're not open to any kind of volatility, if you like. Um, and so they could take Bitcoin, instantly convert it into their stable coin, say Amazon or Facebook or one of the other... Yeah, we'll come back com- and talk about that in a minute. The size of a size of a country, it's very attractive for them to have their own in-house uh, token or, or currency. Thomas, where do you see it going? Uh, I think if you're going to guess crystal ball five years away, I do think Google are going to attempt to control and dominate Ethereum. Okay, why? Like, like, why do you think that? Ethereum, to me, reminds me of the journey with Unix in 1969 that became uh, um, Xenix that became Linux that became Android and Mac OS uh, yeah, and I, wow. I, 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 I see Google okay. attempting attempting to control 
or invest in or support Ethereum like they do Android. I can see Amazon attempting to acquire a, a Binance or a Coinbase yeah. and having their own Amazon coin, whether it comes from those exchanges. And I also think um, Facebook, you may know they bought uh, a blockchain company, Chainspace, recently. I think Facebook, and I think Mark is clever enough to evolve Facebook into a bank, the bank of Facebook, and create a face coin okay. and reward people, pay people. Do you think people will trust Facecoin? Well, I know there's a lot of distrust of Facebook, but they've still got two billion people yeah. using it every month. I'm one of them. And he's talked about combining WhatsApp and Instagram and Facebook into one, at least the messaging side. And it's hard to get out of these systems once you're in them because you're yeah. locked in. And the idea of rewarding people, paying people for their attention, for every like, every share, every listen, every watch, I think is appealing. So where you started off with the bat browser, you, you reckon that Facebook could create their own currency? Yeah, I think Facecoin would be a winner because I think people want to be paid for their time and their attention. And so I think other brands are going to have to wake up to that and realise that Facebook is a predator, not a partner of those brands. I think, I think they could power that token to completely control their ad network as well because then they've got a closed-loop system that they don't have to rely on any external factors um, and they can print as much of their tokens as they like, essentially, uh, depending on so, how big their network is. What? So like quantitative easing, they could just print money? Well, I think it'd be coin. dependent on, on their bumps yeah. on seats to a certain extent. You know, that, that, that would be their, their mining, if you like. Right. Uh, the other thing is they can farm their uh, organisations in their ecosystem and allow them to list their tokens yeah. on the Facecoin platform and develop, like Microsoft, a massive ecosystem of resellers and dealers worldwide, or VARs, as we used to call them many years Value ago. Value-added resellers. Value-added resellers. Facebook have got the ability, with their own listing platform, like a Facecoin, to create a mass of partners. And when you look at the scale of Facebook now, their last quarterly numbers, they're, they're neck and neck with Google and Microsoft. Yeah, it yeah. could be possible that Mark passes. Larry and Bill, starting in 2004, which is a hell of a thing to achieve. Distrusted as he may be, he's still hard to beat. So, so could Amazon start a coin? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I yeah, think I, I think they'll next. acquire. I think they're next on the cards. Yeah, I think Amazon are going to go for a Monzo, a Revolut, a Binance, a coin. Like to buy them. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're going to buy There's the, definitely going to be an Amazon coin. So Amazon. These are challenger banks, as we call them. I know, I, know, yeah. I know Facebook are approaching it in a slightly... Well, I think they're kind of testing the water, so they're, they're, they're going to be using it mainly... Their, their first currency is... Uh, it will be on WhatsApp. Um, and it's, they're saying it's going to be for the Indian remittance market. So it's trying What's to... What's that? Well, remittance is we're paying money back to your family back home. So, oh, okay, um, got you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's obviously a number of uh, there's money, MoneyGram and Western Union stuff, but they charge twenty percent to send money home. With this, in theory, like use, WePay is used in in China. Um, you could send and, it for virtually and, nothing. Yeah. So Misa Pay in South yeah, Africa. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Which one's that, Steve? Misa yeah. Pay. Okay. And that, that's all completely done on your on your mobile phone. Oh, that in peso, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. without with. Uh, uh, SMS and it, yeah. it's all verified by the originator of the the, the mobile number. So the well, WePay is used in yeah. shops. You know, the, 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 yep. the, everybody uses it. <laughs> it's standard. Yeah, I've ne have you ever been to the Far East and used it? I've never actually been. I want to go yeah, and try it myself. 
I've seen documentaries on it. I've watched quite a lot of stuff. But but one of the things is Facebook Messenger has a payment peer-to-peer payment. I've never used it. Yeah, it's, it's actually it's massively underused. I think probably because of the barriers of actually getting on it. Whereas if the, you had this tokenized society, I think it'd be a lot easier. I mean, the bank of Facebook is coming, sir. Okay, it is coming. You heard it here first. <laughs> okay, we, we're going to be going to the news very shortly. Uh, when we come back from the news, we're going to start to talk about things called smart contracts next. Uh, I also want to talk a little bit more about Web 3.0, the dark web, and uh, yeah, a few other bits and pieces. Something called the Ocean Protocol. So there's so much we can talk about, uh, so please stick with us. Um, Steve... Is there anything else we should be talking about when we come back, possibly? Um, I just think it's quite interesting about the uh, email provider in the US that went belly up after they were literally attacked by hackers. Okay, Um, and and that relates to a blockchain, does it? uh, Not really blockchain, but it's just about that it's online and and like exchanges can be broken. Okay. You're listening to Sam Talks Technology, the UK's number one technology show, at least. That's what Sam told me to say. So, welcome back. Uh, thank you for joining us. We are on Marlow FM, and it's Sam Talks Technology with my good friends, Charlie Cox, Thomas Power, and my co-host today, Steve Kaminsky. Steve, is that how you actually say your surname, by the way? Karminsky. Karminsky. So we mine it, not mince it. Indeed. Right. <laughs> never to be forgotten. Never to be forgotten. Okay, we've talked a lot about what is the blockchain, what is cryptocurrency, bitcoins, ICOs, STOs, lots and lots of terminology. Hopefully we've broken it down for you. Um, I want to take the next bit of terminology that seems to be out there. It's called smart contracts, which is a bit of a misnomer. So, Thomas, tell me, what is a smart contract and where might I use it? Okay, so we've been doing a bit of work with a Korean manufacturer recently that supplies tablets, TVs. <laughs> Let me try and work that out slowly. Yes, I think there's more than one. Yes. So, uh, there's, there's <laughs> You're safe. Go and on. We were, teaching, um, we were teaching the accountants, the lawyers, and the compliance people what a smart contract was, how to write one and build one. And what we're talking about, particularly in a supply chain where a manufacturer is ordering lots of parts to make a tablet, a TV or a smartphone, you want to verify every supplier, every good, every item and make sure that supply chain is completely secure and verified for the final product. And a smart contract is putting an intelligent message, an intelligent invoice, if you like, an intelligent um, supply agreement between the manufacturer and the supplier to verify every part. So to use your word earlier, it's non-repudiated, it's verified that everything matches as is expected to be. And so it's kind of like an intelligent order okay. between two parties that's verified. And I try to use as many simple words as I can. That's because good, keep that up, yeah. Is that reasonably... I like, I like simple words. because an, an intelligent order, is that... That's a nice way of... Take. So we described it earlier as a macro. And if yeah, then, but I think this. when you say macros, people think of Lotus 1, 2, 3 and yeah. Super Calc 2. And Maybe they like. don't if they're younger, but it's yeah. Quite often yeah. Described oh, as don't they? Okay. <laughs> program, 
programmable money. So, you know, okay. if A equals B, then pay out C. So you had a really good example of the real world where it was used. Yeah. Can, you give us, can you give us that story? I think it, I don't know if it's been used yet, but it's certainly uh, it's been built. Um, so I did consultancy with a large charity based in America. Um, and they have $10 million in a bank account in New York, um, which is allocated to a particular area in Malawi that has a devastating flood every three to six years. They don't know when, um, but whenever it happens, it wipes out all the crops, it damages all the housing, uh, the, 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 the local people get diphtheria and other waterborne diseases, and it's a real devastation. So they've got this money allocated ready to, to release whenever it happens but it takes 10 days to actually get to the grassroots charities by which time it's gone through many people's hands and it's diluted and quite often corruption and blah 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 blah, blah. so and and by which time everything is manifested the crops have been ruined right etc diseases um, so what yeah. we designed was it was a smart contract with um the first part of it would have some software embedded in the contract um, monitoring the weather so we can't monitor weather very well on a day-to-day basis but we can see a big storm coming uh, about about 10 days in advance they can they can they can see the perfect storm coming so what happens then is that that bit of software tells the smart contract right uh, the storm's coming release the money and the uh, money's released uh, potentially in bitcoin or ethereum and is instantly delivered to the grassroots charity on the ground so they can then go and take that out of an atm straight away and start spending that money so there's no delay and what that actually gives you is the ability to protect the crops to take the people out of the system and so they wouldn't get ill protect the houses board up the houses with money that wouldn't have been available uh, in the past so that's a really good real world example Brilliant of example. the impact yeah um, and there's obviously many, many different solutions. I think like that. one of my Imogen Heap, who is a uh, an artist musician, um, she is very into smart contracts. She's built something on Ethereum um, because it allows her to control how her music is distributed and disseminated. So, so she can say, "I want." an end user to be able to play this they maybe want to play it once and they can listen to it if they then want to purchase it there's a way in the small contract for them to actually buy it um but again and then you can also rescind access to it um because it may be pirated or whatever but because that all all that is within the 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 smart contract the for content providers it provide it can provide a very um stable system a very controllable system whereby they are completely in control of their music um, and they are also art galleries are looking at this also for actually yeah. verifying artworks now that you can um, who owns what basically who owns what and, and that it's not a forgery because you you can trace that artwork back to its creator it has a associated um, token um, that can be either based on some particular condition of the artwork itself or embedded in the artwork yeah, in micro beads and things like that yeah. I, I've, I know about 10 different startups what's a micro bead Charlie? oh just a uh, it's a bit like a little tiny blip of information on a, on a say a little bit of resin and then you could scan it a bit like an RFI chip or, or a microchip if you like but it would be uh, scanned uh, a bit like a QR code, you know, you know, yep. yeah. So, so, so looking at a, a pattern, that pattern has all the data on it, and you can see that that, that it's either its traceability or its provenance or whatever. So, so going back to what we were saying about Bitcoin being, in my humble opinion, an application 
sorry, cryptocurrency bitcoins being an application on the blockchain, are smart contracts just another application on the blockchain? Yep. And it, the, it's uh, the whole advantage of a blockchain is it is it is a distributed ledger that that is immutable, so that you cannot interfere with it, because if you try, it will be noticed. Yeah. Therefore, it makes a lot of sense for it for a lot of. Um, Transactions. There are a lot of people using Bitcoin for distributed applications, which could be done as just distributed applications. Yeah, sure. But um, there are genuine uses for something where you have this distributed ledger, which is av av available to all, um, which is also yeah, quite amusing when people say that Bitcoin is completely anonymous because the, 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 the whole point of Bitcoin is there is this immutable transaction it's log. It's very transparent. And it's very transparent. And then... If most of the, well, pretty much every exchange is within a regulated space, which has to abide by money laundering regulations, therefore every transaction in that exchange is logged and is potentially available to the authorities if they want access yeah. to it. And then they can see all the way through the chain and, and where it's gone and what's been transacted and by who. So, okay, so now smart contracts, I, can, I, I see the value. I mean, I, a lot of artists, Taylor Swift took her music off Spotify simply because she didn't like the fact that it was micropayment. She thought her music was worth more. So is this a way, going back to that smart contract that Imogen Heap put together, is this a way that artists may not go through iTunes, Spotify, a another but no, music they, they, they can. That's the whole <clears throat> point. They can, go th they can go through any channel right. because the contract is between the end user and the artist ignores everyone in between. Now, there can be distribution steps in between, which then will have a, a method of potentially utilising, um, uh, potentially getting a payment for them distributing, but that's up to the artist that they enable that. It's not up to the distribution chain in the middle. So they can put it on... You know, a website. You can put it on on iTunes. It doesn't matter because the the, the you are the the content is enclosed within a contract. Therefore, it is up to the content originator how that that. So it's like I can buy five plays or ten plays or yeah. or not allowed to share it or whatever yeah. it may be. And the real benefit is the track and trace. Okay. In Go these on. two examples given, the track and trace of music or. It almost reminds me of Minority Report. It's, this is like pre-crime. You're pre-paying out money in advance of a storm. So you've got a much higher degree of transparency of a product, particularly when a lot of products are fake and you want to check the source, the provenance of where those products have come from, be it food or car parts, where there's a lot of crime. And so that's the beginning of a, of a real-time economy where you can track everything in real time and work back in real time. We've never seen anything like that before. Not at transaction level, not a real-time economy. We've got a near real-time economy, but we can't verify and check every transaction worldwide instantly on our device, even with uh, Amazon. But, but I und okay, from the layman's term, I understand one of the problems with the blockchain and is, is the transactional speed of it. Because it's a distributed database and therefore if I make one transaction, it has to be recorded on every version of that blockchain mm. and that transaction can't happen fast enough. So things like banks aren't quite ready yet to use the blockchain as a transactional 
format. Things like I buy a piece of art and then it can take one hour, one minute, one day to be replicated. That's fine. So how... You say banks, but like 70% of Swiss banks use Ripple for clearing. Or they were. Okay, that's cool. So explain to me what Ripple is. Ripple is a bit more of a simplistic token. It's a bit like a... almost like a barter token. So it can be... Uh, you could have a Ripple exchange for, for gold. So you could go into a Ripple exchange in Nairobi uh, and give them an ounce of gold. And the office in, in London would instantly meet your friend. Uh, you meet Your friend could go in there and they would give them that ounce of gold and then settle up the ledger later on between the two parties. So um, it's it can be grain, it could be uh, Bitcoin or sterling or any contract. It's almost like a, a smart contract in a coin in, in, in some Okay, respect. so that's combining two technologies it, it, and sits on top of the blockchain itself. But um, but it's a, a much more simple offering than Bitcoin. It's, uh, I mean, This is why I think the big techs all seek to dominate it because they'll be attracted by the infrastructure play of their clouds at as you have with Microsoft, yeah, I mean, AWS. With Am- them Amazon's just come Google's up with their big blockchain that you can basically buy by the minute, by the day, the, yeah. you know, the typical cloud service. Blockchain, blockchain as a service. service. Yeah, Bass. Big Bass. buzzword. Another buzzword <laughs> to confuse everyone. Is that the current buzzword? Bass? Last couple of months. It's yeah. a buzzword. Yeah. But as my old boss, Alan Sugar, used to say, where there's You're mystery. fired. <laughs> he didn't actually fire me, I have to be said. One of the few people who wasn't fired from Amstrad. Um, but uh, he used to say, where there's mystery, there's margin. Right. And the tech industry is famous for its mystery-making margin. Okay. Um, where can we see smart contracts going then? What's, what's going to be the future of smart contracts? Um, well, a bit like the Facebook example, a smart contract could could completely control your your ads. Uh, the, the, if you're an ad if you're ad serving on on Facebook and you're a business, then not only could you get the the money from cryptocurrency uh, as a closed loop for them, but also your deployment uh, be- could become all the all the complexities within within their ad system could easily be made into smart contracts on a one to one basis, and, and and you could almost create your own specific ecosystem around that contract so you wouldn't be in com- competition with so many of your um, peers or, or, or similar companies so um, i think there's quite a lot of scope for that kind of stuff so having bespoke relationships with big big companies in, in the means of smart contract i see i see their application more simply around things that are currently still paper like a driving license like a passport yeah where you're giving your ID over, which is still paper, albeit plastic hard paper, and verifying your ID (coughs) is still pretty difficult when you're getting a driving licence upgrade or a new passport. Still quite a hard process to go through. But outside of identity, passport and driving licence, when you're dealing with a bank or supplier or going through money laundering with a bank or a payment... The area that fascinates me is food, particularly the travel and provenance of food. And the only reason I'm very fascinated by it is because in my mid-twenties, I was obsessed with technology. My three kids in their mid-twenties are obsessed with food. Okay. (laughs) What it is, what ingredients are in it, where it came from, who grew it. I never even had those thoughts in my mid-twenties. I'd eat like like a dog. I'd eat anything I could get my hands on. But they want to be able to scan a product... Uh, on a shelf they want to be able to check a product with a phone scan it and see effectively a smart contract look back through that supply chain and see who grew it how it was grown how it was fed 
And that, to me, is fascinating. And I can see in this generation shifting towards uh, less meat, uh, more veganism, more detail on what is a healthy product, more intimacy with their diet and how they fuel themselves. I think, I think the, food, the supermarkets will lead the drive of smart contracts yeah. with food supplies around the world, not just because of plastics and plastics waste, but because of ingredient source and growing, which has become very important to the, I'm not sure whether they're millennials or Gen Zs, but the next generation. Uh, I never had that when I was uh, in my mid-twenties. Yeah, I think clothes is another example of that. Yeah, clothes. clothes I mean, yeah, it's a good one. If you imagine with Primark... Oh, and, God. And they're, and they're getting returns of a certain jumper over and over again in their Oxford Street branch. It would take a couple of weeks or months for it to feed back to their manufacturers in China. It could be that they're using substandard uh, cl- uh, cloth or whatever. Um, with uh, an immutable, secure, instant blockchain solution giving feedback, um, they could almost change on a daily basis uh, any faults that are being yeah. if someone's brought back a hundred tops in one day they say well there's a big problem there they can feed that feed that back straight away and it'll be a live almost like a live action feed from the till or point of sale system to the to the manufacturers this that, is our journey to real-time economics yeah, and that, that hasn't been possible before not in a secure way so. and i think there's also i mean there various industries still in the uk uh, for example insurance yeah. Um, is completely, especially if you go to someone like Lloyds of London, where you have all these mini yeah. uh, groups that are, fun, are, that are agreeing to insure, you know, initially ships, but they do everything there. But it is all still run by these little groups, and they send Excel spreadsheets to each other. <laughs> um, you know, smart contracts can, can absolutely revolutionise that, where they now have a very simple system when they go yes i want to be part of this or no i don't and if they are they this is how much it costs and they put it in there and and off it goes and and it's a it just whizzes around all these little groups who who fund insurance and it is at the moment it is a com- still a completely manual process yeah and still a lot telephone based yeah and, um, uh, what's this the reinsurance stuff yeah yeah, yeah. So, but the but the insurance reinsurance where where you know, yeah a friend of mine works in lloyds he was over with yeah. me this weekend and it literally, his life is schmoozing and working on the phone. Yeah. So he skis about six times a year with <laughs> every insurance company. Uh, and then that's the way that he, well, doesn't bribe them, but that's the way he incentivizes them, I should say, um, to renew with him. And it's crazy. He's, he's often Bermuda to play golf, and then he takes them all <laughs> hospitality, and, and all of that. And be... he's going to give all that up for a smart contract? <laughs> I don't think so. No, but but, but somebody else will. The, I mean, all the industries industry will. So yeah. the, the big insurers will then go. If you want to deal with us, you have to do, you have to do it this way, and um, it's already starting. But that 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 will just spread, and then be, as it becomes. Um, the insurers do it between themselves that just then ripples out and then as that becomes the default system everyone has to use it so um okay so smart contracts pretty cool we can see that really going the big players are already in place i mean you know looking on the web you've got ibm google all the big consultancies amazon microsoft cloud so it's there it's 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 just Charlie, you're, you're somebody at the coal face or the mining face. You're, you're implementing this stuff. How hard is it to implement? But to get a real a top developer stroke CTO to, to manage the, the, the technical build, um, yeah, there's rare as shark's teeth. Right. There's not... 
shark's teeth are pretty You mean hen's teeth. Well, hen's teeth. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a lot of shark's teeth out there, Charlie. As rare as hen's teeth, so. Um, yeah, they are generally speaking, they're in funded uh, startups or, or established startups um, uh, that they're. They're the CTOs, but they're also generally one of the founders as well. Anybody that's top of their game has is, is, is founded their own uh, opportunity. Um, so as far as having a team for hire, um, I do deploy, team, deploy teams with, with, with blockchain, Inc., but it's generally on a consultancy basis, and anybody in-house is going to be a bit more junior and overseen by someone senior on, a, on an ad hoc basis. So I think that's, that's the real, the major problem at the moment is finding these, these top devs. Um, obviously, we outsource around the world. That's not such an issue, but a lot of people want people relatively in-house or at least within touching distance. So that's why I'm finding time and time again. Um, it's becoming less of a problem, I think. In the last year, it's become a bit easier. What uh, skills do people need to be able to get into building blockchains and smart contracts and the stuff we've talked about? I think Ethereum made it quite a lot easier because they've got several languages that are similar to other languages. and They, they did that on purpose, so people be jumping ship from, from say, uh, jQuery or something like that. There is a similar language that they could get into. They have to get their head around the distributed uh, and decentralized nature of it. But once they've done that, the, the actual language is pretty similar. Um, I'm not, I'm not a, a proper coder. I'm not, I'm not a proper... Tell us are, really. No, not in that, not in that I, can, I can understand how the technology works and how to implement it, but I don't get my hands dirty in the code. So, But there are now, if you go on to like Udemy or Udemy or whatever, yeah, yeah. They, they, they have cryptocurrency courses course, on there and, and, and how to program smart contracts and uh, in fact a friend of mine has literally just completed a course it's the evaluation of those people you know that's, yeah. the, that's the real issue and I, I looked into it for a while because I, I found a, there's the school of blockchain or university of blockchain in America and I said I'm very interested in, in sort of licensing your, your testing at the end of it to, to be able to qualify people because I, I can't qualify anybody at the moment without actually putting them on a project by which time it's too late um, so that was being my major my major a problem with, with creating these contracts and creating these opportunities okay and of the three of you any cool companies we should all be looking out for the next big thing um there's so many well I, I, I would have to say mainframe that is this company that i was involved with so that but they are they've just run something called the dap awards which is a dis distributed application programming <laughs> awards um but they they are building a distributed messaging app um that they, um, as part of the ICO, they gave a huge chunk of money to uh, whichever freedom of press um, organization in the States um, because um, they support people whistleblowing, they support people in um, environments where you, there isn't yeah. freedom of press and that if you want to get, release information, there's no secure way to do it, that you can guarantee that it's come from the person that it yeah. should have come. Um, so um, they have um, are trying to they they support those kind of um, initiatives and and mainframe gave them a chunk of money with the hope that also um, the mainframe distributed messaging application and distributed way that it works will allow people to do exactly that. So if you're a whistleblower, you can whistleblow with a guaranteed anonymity, but with also guaranteed that you know that, that the, the right person knows who that source is, that they know it's a, it's a valid person. Um, so it stops the whole fake 
um, news and and also if you're in a, in a uh, restrictive um, or government or, or country which has restrictive rules or and you can still get information out that again is repudiated that it's from a real person right but it's not trackable potentially to the government um, who is being restrictive okay so in terms of the next big thing yeah go on then ridiculous to uh, try and be ridiculous consider <laughs> who the next big thing is but if you if you follow a pattern um, there's a new fund that's got pension fund money called Morgan Creek, Morgan Creek Digital, led by a gentleman called Anthony Pompliano, young guy who I've met in New York. And they've just announced they've raised $40 million, which is a small sum. But what's important that Anthony's done is that capital has come from pension funds to invest in crypto or blockchain or ICO or STO ideas. And whilst that's a very small sum, investment terms, it means that pension funds are now putting it, this space, whether you want to call it blockchain space or crypto space, on their list as an asset class to consider for their investors. And so I would say the next big thing might be where Anthony invests some of that capital because he's very good at his due diligence. Okay. Well, we are sadly running out of time, chaps. That's the end of the show. Mm -hmm. I know. uh, One hour, 90 minutes. uh, Sorry, one hour, 30 minutes, 90 minutes. Uh, Yeah, it's gone really rapidly. Um, So we've covered everything from what is the blockchain through to ICOs, STOs, smart contracts, a little bit about the platform. We haven't even touched on stuff I really wanted to talk about. The Ocean Protocol, Internet File System, things like the dark web. There is so much to come. Web 3.0, is this the beginning? Solid. Tim Berners-Lee's new app. So much to do. Thank you, Sam. That show was amazing. To listen again, please visit our website, marlofm.co.uk, or visit our Facebook group, Sam Talks Technology. And now you can subscribe on iTunes. Never miss a show again. See you next week. Same time, same place.